we, we looked at this last week, and we looked at it from the perspective of Philemon. Today we're going to look at it from a little different perspective, that of Onesimus, the runaway slave. Have you ever uh, had to talk yourself out of something that you behaved yourself into? Have you ever, you know, it, it sounds like this, honey, you know I love you more than anyone else in the world, even though my behavior says it's all about me. Uh, Lord, you know, I, I, I love you, even though my behavior says that it's, it's all about me. Uh, Mom and Dad, you know that I love you so much, even though sometimes my behavior says that it's really all about me. You ever behave yourself into something and then find yourself having to talk? Officer, <laughs> I'm really a law-abiding citizen. Really, I am. And I could tell you a story right now that I won't, but I'm up close and personal with that a little bit this week. Kind of interesting. It's tough when you have to say to the world, I'm really a Christ follower, even though my behavior suggests something else. Onesimus had a tough sell. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in a position where he had broken trust, and he was now sitting across the table from Philemon. Uh, if you're new to this story, let me just re- help you get caught up. Onesimus is a slave. He has been owned by Philemon, and all of a sudden he decides he's going to make a break for it and run for Rome. And from what we can gather, he, he kind of took some things that belonged to Philemon and, and ran to Rome for his freedom. And now he has been sent back. Uh, we'll get into that as to how that happened in just a minute. But he's been sent back, and he's across the table from his uh, slave owner, really. And um, so that's where we, we, we find this little story back in the back part of your New Testament called Philemon. It's, it's so small that it doesn't even have chapter delineations. It's just the book of Philemon, one little chapter. Uh, in fact, it kind of confuses my Bible software whenever I look this story up because it, it doesn't really know, maybe it's me that's confused, uh, how, how to put it in. That's probably more what it is. But, but Philemon is just a little teeny tiny book, and it's a letter that Paul wrote and sent back with Onesimus to take with him to Philemon. And here we see Onesimus sitting across the table from Philemon because he has a spiritual coach who actually believes, and we believe this, that when the Holy Spirit comes into a life, he changes that life forever. That transformation happens. This coach actually believes that the Spirit of God comes into you and that he changes you, not just for the weekend, not just for the week, not just for a month, but he changes your life forever. We believe that around here. You know, we celebrate baptisms, but what we really celebrate around here is life change. We, in the office, a lot of the time, we talk about transformation. Man, have you seen so-and-so? Have you seen how they're serving? Have you seen the smile on their face? They just seem so in love with Jesus, and it's just neat to watch their life change. That's what we celebrate around here. And so, uh, you know, he, Paul coaches Onesimus, um, to go back to Philemon. And we're going to look at a change in Onesimus, in the life of Onesimus, that uh, it's, a, it's a little hidden key. You know, if you've ever gone to church and you've said, you know, I just don't get the church thing. I don't understand why, why people make such a big deal out of church. I tried church and church really didn't mean a whole lot to me. Or I go and, you know, I hear that guy up there talking, but it just seems like a bunch of words. When I try to, you know, be good and do what I think God wants me to do, it just seems lifeless. Maybe you know somebody who's a Christian and you watch them and you think, well, you know, their life seems vibrant and they, they really seem to, their, their faith really seems to matter, but somehow it doesn't make the same difference in me that it does in them. Probably one of the reasons for that is that you have overlooked a simple little key that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, here's the thing about Scripture. The, the simple stuff and, and the hidden stuff, and I, I would say this is kind of a, 
Um, it's it's a, a little bit of an obscure truth, I guess. It's not something that just jumps off the page at you. But I'm about to talk to you this morning about a hidden key that will become a will will help you to to realize successful Christian faith. If you feel like, man, I just I'm mailing it in every week. It's it's not really happening for me. I don't, uh, you know, I don't really get all excited about my faith, and I don't see that it makes any difference, and I can't tell that I have any power in living. It's probably because you have not identified this thing. So um, I'll just warn you in advance. This is this is difficult. What we're going to talk about this morning. You're going to hear this, and you're going to think, I don't want to do that. But I'm telling you, until you embrace what we're going to talk about this morning and until you really say god i want that even though that's going to mean a a a lot that's my pride's going to take a hit Uh, my life is going to take a hit i I don't know that i'm going to fully live this out and and i'm going to open myself up maybe to even be taken advantage of i'll do that when you say that to god get ready because your life is going to change and your christian faith and your christian life will have a power that you maybe otherwise have not ever known. So we begin by, uh, by looking at Philemon, verse 1. Um, the things that Onesimus finds out uh, is the very thing that I think God wants to introduce to us today. And, you know, it's, it's take hold in your life or else it's just it's not any good. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. So Philemon is a Christian. He's a, he's a slave owner, probably a, a businessman, and um, he's a, we know from this that he's a follower of Jesus. Verse 4 and 5, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now we want to skip down to verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. So, you know, Paul's saying, I expect you to own up and grow up. This isn't optional. This isn't, uh, you know, Paul, the, the apostle, the one who, who um, really knows and went around converting all these people and teaching them. He's really the authority in, in this whole thing. He's talking to Onesimus, and he's saying, look, this is an expected thing. This isn't optional. This isn't, this isn't you know, I want you to take this slave back, and I want you, to, you know, to bend a little bit here. I want you to realize that there's grace and peace that's come your way, and I expect you to, to give this uh, to Onesimus. You know, it's, um, Paul's saying, I, I, it's just an expected thing. Now look at verse 9. Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Kind of gives you a little glimpse into the relationship that Onesimus has with Paul who became my son while I was in chains. And if you remember, we said last week about uh, what Paul was really saying to Philemon is that if you, have, if you are a consumer of God's grace and peace, then you are then a carrier of God's grace and peace. You, you, can't, you really shouldn't consume it if you're not going to carry it. If you're going to receive God's grace and peace, then that's something that needs to be dispensed out of your life on a regular basis. That's really where we went last week. That's what we talked about. From the perspective of Philemon, that is what, what Paul, God was calling through Paul, Philemon, to dispense grace and peace. He said, look, you've experienced these things. It's now time for you to dispense these things. Philemon, it's upon you to carry grace and peace to, to Onesimus. Well, you say, well, well, what's upon Onesimus? I mean, you know, he's the one that ran away. He's the one that seems to have broken trust. He's the one that, that has uh, kind of stepped out of bounds, so to speak. And so uh, what about him? Well, we're going we're gonna to look at what, at, uh, what Onesimus, 
has as a responsibility this morning and like i said it's probably you're going to hear it and go i don't want that i i don't want to do that but i'm telling you that where god's concerned he he would say to us this really is not an option you don't you don't you can't pick and choose this is something that's got to happen you know formerly verse 11 he says formerly he meaning onesimus was useless to you well why would he say he was useless well he was a runaway and he'd chosen to run for his own freedom. And somehow he comes upon Paul. And we don't know whether Paul found him or, or whether maybe Onesimus realized that Paul was a, a kind sword and he went up to him and, and Paul was willing to give him help. Uh, don't really know how that happened. But, but somehow he comes to Paul and apparently he comes to Christ under Paul's influence. So when he leaves Philemon, looks like he wasn't a Christian. He gets in under the influence of Paul, and as is the case probably with a lot of people who spent time around Paul, you didn't spend much time around him that you didn't realize that Jesus was pretty important, and Onesimus comes to the place where he has a saving faith in Christ, and uh, so he and Paul have this great relationship. And, and, you know, it says that he was useless. Last week, we also said that that, uh, Onesimus probably was somewhat of an embarrassment to Philemon. And now he's come to Christ, and this is how Paul describes him, verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Philemon, this man that's sitting across the table from you, who broke trust, has been changed. And God is the one that has changed him, verse 12. I'm sending him who is my very heart. And where's he sending him? I'm sending him back to you. Just let that soak in for just a minute. I'm sending Onesimus, the one who broke trust. I'm sending Onesimus, the one that you probably are really, really mad at right now. I'm sending Onesimus, the runaway slave who was was under your authority. I'm sending him, you lost him, Philemon, but I'm sending him back to you. This guy who broke trust, I'm sending him back so that he can build trust. And he's changed. And he's going to prove that he's changed. By the behavior that he demonstrates, he's going to show you, Philemon, that he is a different man. He has changed. There's something that's happened to him. Here's the question that you have to consider from this passage. What did Onesimus run away from? I mean, ultimately, what did he run away from? Well, you're not going to like the answer, but the answer, uh, I believe, is submission. Could it be that what Onesimus ran away from is submission? I don't know anybody who likes this word. We like this word if we're talking about someone submitting to us. That's okay. We, we think that's a great word whenever it comes time for someone to submit to us. But when someone looks at you or someone looks at me and says, hey, you need to submit, we don't like that word. In fact, I can think of very few words in the English language that will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up faster than the word submit. We just don't like it. It's a word that we don't want applied to us in any way. We live in America. We're free. We don't bow to anybody. And yet here comes Jesus and here comes Paul and he's talking to Onesimus and he's talking about this thing that we would call submission. I I just uh, was with a good friend of mine on on, uh, Thursday and he and I got into a discussion over dinner about this word and he, he was talking about his church and he said, you know, he said, I did a Sunday school class and I talk, talked about submission and he said, I couldn't believe the reaction in the room when we started to talk about this. Um, it's a word that basically means bow your will. That's really what, when we use the word submission today, that's kind of the way we're using it. You know, if he was running from submission, what Paul was saying is, I'm going to send you back 
into that. I'm sending you back into submission. Paul said, I'm going to send you back. And, and that doesn't sound very attractive, does it? If you're, if you're Onesimus and you've run away and you've experienced freedom, you can wake up when you want to, you can go to bed when you want, nobody tells you when to eat, you, you know, you're, you're kind of on your own, you don't have a, 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 an owner anymore. I mean, for Onesimus, you've got to be thinking, life's pretty sweet now that I don't have to live as a slave. And so Paul says, no, I want you to go back. I want you to submit yourself to, to the slave owner. And so I think what could have come from, from Onesimus is, you mean, I came into a right relationship with God. I, I have placed my faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I've come to freedom in Christ. And yet, you're going to send me back to being a slave? Oh, that's great news. Yeah, that's, that's just, you know, that's just exactly, Paul, what I wanted to hear. This is the conversation that Onesimus could have had with Paul if he'd wanted to. You know, Onesimus could walk up to his friends that he just met. Well, let me tell you about, about what God wants to do in my life. According to Paul, God wants to just take my life and send me right back to the place where I was. I was free, and I've got freedom in Christ, but now Paul says I need to go back and be a slave again to Philemon. He sent me back into slavery for the rest of my life, both literally and physically, to be owned by another human being. That's what Paul's telling me that I'm supposed to do. See, we think that, that coming to Jesus <laughs> means everything's going to be easy. We think that when we say yes to Jesus, and I, I actually heard a television preacher a week ago say this. That the promise is that when you come to Christ, it all gets easier. It doesn't get easier. Oftentimes, you come to Christ and your life just... Mike Yacanale, who's no longer with us, was in a car accident. I've used this quote before many times, but it's really one of my favorites. He used to talk about how Jesus wants to come in and ruin your life. And really, in some ways, that's exactly what he does. He comes in and he just wrecks it. He says, you know what? That's, that's got to be cleaned up. This is, you know, it's like when you've got your room the way you want it. My desk is a perfect example. I can tell you where everything is, but you would look at it and go, oh, my goodness. And people have said, you know, you need to let me clean that for you. No, that would completely wreck my system, you know, my, my system of, of disheveledness. And so sometimes that's what Jesus does. He comes in and he says, hey, we got to clean this up and in the process can kind of ruin things a little bit. And I think that Onesimus would say, you know what? When I came to Jesus, it didn't get easier. When I came to Jesus, it got an awful lot harder. Onesimus would say, Jesus sent me back to be a slave. He sent me back to the submission, submission that I ran away from. Somewhere Paul and Onesimus had a conversation, and in that, in that conversation, it basically had to go along this line. And don't miss this, because... While the conversation was between Paul and Onesimus, I really believe that the conversation extends beyond that and that conversation happens from God to us. I really believe that what, what Paul would have said to Onesimus, God would say to us. And I think Paul says to Onesimus, here's what I want you to do. As a consumer of God's grace and peace, submit to God in all earthly matters. And Philemon got his talk on grace and peace last week, and Paul was pretty stern with him and said, hey, this is what I expect you to do, and I could be bold and demand these things of you. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you, this is, this is Philemon, you want to grow up in Christ? This is how you do it. You dispense grace and peace. And now he would say to Onesimus, as a consumer, Onesimus, of grace and peace, do what? Submit to God in all earthly matters. 
And Onesimus goes back to Philemon. And I think if you asked him, Onesimus, why did you go back? You know what I think Onesimus would say? Because Jesus is my master, my Lord, and my king, and he told me to. That is, someone who would say something like that understands submission. And they understand what lordship is about. And they understand what it means to, to, to give in to someone else's will. I think Onesimus might say, it would be better to live my life as a slave owned by another human being than to live and be without God's grace and peace. So I went back. Paul's saying, Onesimus, you need to go back because you've, you've incurred a debt. You took from Philemon. You broke trust. And you're going to go back and you're going to make restitution. Now, listen to this because this is a very important lesson for all of us. Restitution matters. Restitution is not a word that we use very much anymore. When Onesimus was forgiven by God for his sin, he was not freed from the responsibility to Philemon. Even though he is forgiven by God, he is not freed from the responsibility he took from, from Philemon. He, he basically robbed. And you say, well, he was a slave and he was running. Forget all that. This, is, this just comes right down to will. This comes right down to, to breaking trust. Restitution matters. When you break trust in your marriage, in your family, with your siblings, in your relationships, with your contracts, in business, when you break trust, and you come before God and you say, forgive me, God, for all the things that I do, and you know, I broke trust within this relationship, forgive me for that, done. You're, you're already forgiven. That, that's, if you're a believer, that's already happened. But that doesn't remove the responsibility for restitution. There are payments on the other side of conversion. Onesimus is going to find that out. Onesimus, go back. You have a debt. You have a master. So humble yourself before God. Humble, humble yourself before who? Humble yourself before God. You see, by humbling yourself before Philemon, you are humbling yourself before God. We don't like that. You know, we would say, well, I don't mind humbling myself before God. But see, here's the thing. In order for you to humble yourself before God, oftentimes you have to humble yourself in front of someone else. In fact, God would say humbling yourself to me sometimes is about humbling yourself before someone else. We hear that and we don't like it. And Onesimus, go back because you have changed. Paul had seen the change in Onesimus. He knew he'd changed. So serve God, Philemon, or Onesimus, by serving Philemon. Become useful to God and his kingdom by submitting to Philemon. Prove that you are useful. Prove that you have changed. Behave yourself back into trust. Don't you think that everything in Onesimus resisted this? I mean, if this is you, really, and you've run away, and, and you've come into faith, and life's opening up for you, and you think, man, this is so cool, I'm forgiven, and I've got a Savior, and my eternity's set, and, and man, life is just perfect for me. And then, then the, your mentor comes along and says, hey, by the way, that place you ran away from that you didn't like, I mean, obviously you didn't like it or else you wouldn't have run away, I want you to go back there, huh? No thanks. I think Onesimus would say no thanks. It would make for a great sermon, Paul, but I don't want to do that. 
I already ran away, he would say to Paul. And I think Paul would say back, and that's your problem. See, Onesimus, what you've done is you've run away from submission. And until you settle this thing in your life, this is one of the hidden keys that until we understand that, that when we submit our will, that's really what, what the faith really is about, is to, is to lay down your will. We don't like that. I think Paul wanted Onesimus to know, and I think that God would say to us this morning that when you break through to submission, you break through to real change. Let me say that again. When you break through to submission, you break through to real change. If you don't ever break through to submission, you know what you do? You just cycle through. You just go through the motions. It it becomes a very cyclical thing. And what you will eventually say in your life somewhere is, you know what, my faith just doesn't really seem to have any life to it. You know what, my faith just, just, this whole Jesus thing is kind of boring. You know, I go to church and I just don't get anything out of it. Before you say things like that, hold this thing up to the light and say, am I completely submitted Am I, have I run away from submission like Onesimus and do I need to return to that the way Paul instructed him to? You see, people who come to Christ and are transformed and you see their life and you go, man, I want a, I want a faith like that. Probably what that is, is a submitted life. A life that says, God, I'll do what you want. So I'm telling you right now, when you do the things God wants, he sends you into some pretty hairy places. He, he'll do things with you and you'll say, I, you know, I, I heard, a, I was listening to a sermon this week and they were describing this one young lady who went on a mission trip and apparently she, you know, she was the whole uh, curlers and, and curling iron and hair dryer type, you know, and they took her somewhere where there were no such things and were no outlets to plug them into. And they just talked about how, how when she finally submitted herself to, to God and just got past all that, she came back just telling all these great stories and and uh, you know what you don't until you say god i'll do what you want me to do and i'll go where you want me to go a lot of times you don't have those experiences all you've got is a mundane life and you do the same thing every day and then you start complaining and you say well my faith isn't very alive and i just don't feel like god's all that real and and i just you know i don't see what the big deal is you got to submit see we want god to change everything around us and then we will abide in him that's kind of how we do it but what god says is i want to change you on the inside and when you change on the inside you will then have the capacity to change a lot of the things around you but but we get it backward we keep waiting on god to change everything around us and say god when you get all this stuff taken care of i'd be happy to sit down and have a conversation about what role i'm going to play in your kingdom god says no i don't do that i don't do that let's deal with you first Let's talk about submission first. When you submit, when I know that I have your undivided attention and you, you will say yes to me before you even know what the question is, then we can talk about how the world around you is going to change. It took amazing courage and humility for Onesimus to walk back, don't you think? I mean, think about this, this, this runaway slave who's going to go back and face down his master. Can you imagine how mad Philemon was? I think today God might be calling us back to submission. You know why? Because nothing in life works without submission. 
Life doesn't work without submission. If you're really going to follow God and you're really going to make him Lord, then you, like Onesimus, and I, like Onesimus, have to go back. We have to go back and say, God, I'll, I'll, I'll bend my will. James 4 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Listen to me. If, if you don't settle in your own life, in your own heart, this whole submit to God thing, if you don't get this right, then nothing else in your life is going to go right where God's concerned. The mess within you will become the mess around you in every relationship. I want you to consider for a moment that there is a football team. And with a professional football team, you have an owner, you have a general manager who basically makes player personnel decisions. And sometimes the coach gets to be that person, but not very often. You have a, an owner, a general manager, and then a coach, and then the players. What, what do you think would happen if the coach came in one of these days and started talking to the players like this? Now listen, this is my money, and this is my team, and this is my stadium, my uniforms, and you need to play the way I want you to play. You know what the players would say? You're crazy. You don't own this team. It's not your money that paid for me to come here under a contract. That's the, that's the owner's position. And you know what I think the owner would say? Hey, I think you've lost sight of your role as the coach. I think you've overstepped your bounds. I don't think you understand. You need to understand that you are delegated. <laughs> your, your authority is delegated, and it is temporary. What if the owner of this football team called a weekly meeting and the coach came into that meeting and he said hey guys the owner called a meeting i know he called a meeting but i you know i'm not going to it and you really don't feel like you need to go to it you've worked hard just go on home see we all understand why that's not a good thing when it comes to the football team why do we not understand this when it comes to god Life does not work without submission, and it is first and foremost submission to God. We are Onesimus, and we try to run away from submission. And before we can get right with the world around us, we have to get right with God, and that comes down to submission, which means bow your will to him. And if you get this right with God, then, then, then the whole mess in your marriage will seem to clear up. Oh, mess with your kid. When you start to understand your role in submission, the things going on with your kids and your wife and your boss and your business, you'd be amazed how a lot of it would clear up if you would just figure out that submission starts with you and submission starts with me. Ephesians chapter 5 says in, in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now keep listening because all these relationships are going to tie back to God. Okay, we're going to talk about several relationships. God would say, how you relate to other people has everything to do with the way you relate to me. Your relationship with other people, in a lot of ways, is an extension of your relationship with God. Because how you treat people uh, says an awful lot about what God's doing in your life. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit. Now, even as I say that, I know, <laughs> I know right now that's not popular. How many women, when I say that, just be honest, when, I, when you read that passage, you just go, uh-uh. Do you have that reaction, some of you? The, the young lady who does our slides on Sunday morning, when she saw that that slide was going to come up, she said, I'm not putting that one up. 
just stick with me for just a minute, okay? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why this is in there. And I'm going to show you that this isn't a verse that just pins its ears back and goes after women. Okay, I'm going to show you why you shouldn't be upset by this verse. Just stick with me for just a minute. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Paul would say, first, men, get in right relationship with your heavenly Father, living a life of submission to him. And then you will know how to submit to someone else, and someone else will know how to submit to you. See, ladies, if I pose the question to you a different way, and if I say, I'm going to give you a man who is completely submitted to God, and he is committed to, to living his life in faith completely submitted to God. And what that's going to mean is that he's going to, in turn, do what he's told to do. And what he's told to do is to love you the way Christ loved the church. Do you know how Christ loved the church? Christ died for the church. He laid his life down for the church. Now, if I, ladies, you, you, you bucked a little bit on the whole verse 22 thing. I understand that. But if I could give you a man who was going to love you the way Jesus loved the church... Could you submit to a man like that? I, you know, I've, I've yet to talk to the lady who when we talked about it that way, they, they came back and said, no, I, w- I still wouldn't do it. This is really simple. You know, a, 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 in a mutual, voluntarily submissive relationship of marriage, when it, when it works with God, it, it, it works in your marriage. When you get this right with God, when you say, God, I'm submitted to you, and when both parties are submitted to God, you would be amazed how this could heal a marriage. So now we know families don't work without submission. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now all the parents in the room are saying, that's right. Now we got off this whole women submit to their husbands thing. Now we're getting down to it. Talking about children submitting to their parents, that's exactly right. But listen, how do you expect your kids to submit to you if you don't, do, if you don't feel you're into the bargain? How do you expect your, your kids to submit to you when you say, well, I'm not submitting to my husband. And the husband says, I'm not submitting to God. I rule my house and God's not going to tell me. Why do we expect kids to get this when we don't get this? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. There's a serious problem when kids don't submit, isn't there? And there's a serious problem when parents act like a head coach that thinks they own the team. That says things like, you know what, the owner has called a weekly meeting, it's called a worship service, but I don't think I'm going to go, and kids, you're, I'm not going to make you go either. What makes us think that that's going to fly when, when we expect it? You know, we say, the owner calls a meeting on Sunday, wants us to come and worship him. Meanwhile, we tell our kids, but we say, well, I don't expect you to go to that because I'm not even sure I'm going to go to that. But, but we do expect you to make every baseball practice, every dance recital, every piano lesson, every band thing. No wonder kids are confused. Because we've not settled in our own 
hearts and our own lives many times this whole submission thing to God. And we really live our life like we are our own God. And, and women who have a hard time submitting to their husbands, probably, guys, it's because a lot of times we act as if we are our own God. I'll just confess to you, in my life and in my marriage, this is a hard thing for me. And, and the, the times when, when my wife has been most submissive to me, it's because I probably have been most submissive to God. And if I stiffen up a little bit, chances are good she's going to stiffen up a, get, a, a, a little bit. And you know what? It just escalates from there, doesn't it? When you don't get the submission thing right, it'll be a mess with God. It'll be a mess in your family. And when it messes with the family, the society will be a mess. It, it, it doesn't work in business. Business doesn't work without submission. That's what's being said to Onesimus, and it's really being said to us. Listen to this. Back to, back to Ephesians. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Just as you would obey who? I'm supposed to obey my boss just like I would obey Christ? That's pretty much what he's saying. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Not just when the boss is watching you, but when the boss isn't watching you, serve wholeheartedly. See, passivity, listen to this, because this is a little nugget that if you get this, you'll, it'll help you. Passivity is one of the most prominent forms of rebellion. Passivity is one of the most prominent forms of rebellion. In a household, when your kids are passive, towards you it is an act of rebellion i'll just tell you right now in our house passivity is not tolerated you know what that looks like you tell one of your kids to do something and they just they don't move and they act like they didn't hear you that'll get you in big trouble in our house because that is an act of rebellion that's a little subtle silent way for them to stiffen up and stand up and say i don't have to do what you're telling me to do you, you want to get in trouble in our house in a hurry just just be passive and try and make it look like you didn't hear us see parents don't you you know they heard you right passivity is is a form of rebellion when you're passive toward your boss you're being rebellious when you're passive toward god you're being rebellious. When we come in here to a worship service and you're passive, you say, well, Brett, I, you know, I didn't do anything. Exactly. Exactly. It's a form of rebellion. It's rebellion in marriage. It's rebellion in business. It's rebellion in families. It's rebellion in, in friendships. It's rebellion at work. It's rebellion if you've got a coach and you've got, he's telling players to do things and they just act like they didn't hear. Passivity is a form of rebellion. Paul sends Onesimus back to submission. Listen to this. And masters, in other words, employers, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Life, marriage, family, business, society, none of that works without submission. 
Romans 13 tells us that even pagans, pagan authorities are given really, even those who don't acknowledge God are really, we are to submit to them. That they're used by God for us. Life doesn't work without submission. And it's really the core, at the core of most of our resistance. Hebrews 13, 7. And I hesitate to read this because I don't know any preacher that likes to read these next two passages of Scripture to their congregations. Because these can sound really self-serving. But as long as we're talking about submission, these are a part of that whole discussion. Listen to this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We skip down to verse 17. This comes out of Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. We feel like Onesimus, don't we? I'm not doing that. There had to be a part of Onesimus that when Paul said, hey, I want you to go back, Onesimus stiffened up and said, I'm not doing that. Under all of our issues is this one little issue. And that one little issue is, I am a runaway from submission. You know, I've been talking mainly to Christians this morning, but I would talk to non-believers right now, and I would say, is it possible that when you think about Jesus, what you really are on the run from is you don't want to bend your will to his? And I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. When you come to Christ, that is exactly what you're doing. You are laying your will at his feet, and you're saying, you are the Lord of my life. And, and that sounds like a bad proposition. That sounds like, why would someone sell themselves back into slavery? But you will be getting a master who knows how to take care of you, who will treasure you, who loves you, who wants the best for you. But you've got to submit. If you've never done that, you have an opportunity today to give your life to Christ, to say, I submit. It's something that Christians need to do. Moms, dads, parents, employers, employees, we need to learn submission. It is the hidden key, one of the hidden keys to successful Christian living. And if you're not a believer this morning, you need to submit to your Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to words like this and we just struggle so because this is just not a part of our vocabulary, really. We don't like this word. We, uh, I think if we could, we'd take scissors and cut it out of the dictionary. It's just not a pleasant word. But Lord, true, we really don't know victory in our walk with you unless we're willing to do this. And we oftentimes show our submission to you by submitting to other people. So hard, God. We are such proud people. And we don't like being told what to do and we we don't want to look foolish and we don't want to look weak. Father, forgive us for those times when we are passive we hang back and we don't do what you tell us we keep waiting for a better offer Father make us a people that are willing to say yes to you before we even know what the question is let submission rule our life and let it be seen by the people around us and then and only then will all the relationships in our life begin to clear up because when we clean the mess up inside it kind of makes a difference on the outside 
we have a tendency to make it the other way around and wait for you to clean up the outside and then say we'll come to you and you don't work like that so this morning Lord may we be identified with Onesimus the slave who ran away and then ran back to submission it's in Jesus name we pray